morning, Adam. Hello, Jack. Good to see you again. Haven't seen you for a week. <clears throat> Not true. Depending Seems on like it. <laughs> depending on how you mean see, right? Right. He's uh. Well, wait. I'll, we we have people who are listening to us, so I better tell you hello to them. All right. Uh, hello, folks. Glad to have you here today. We're going to have a nice podcast today, and I'll tell you how we arrive at those in a minute or so. But uh, my name is Jack Mancini, and I'm here with my partner, Adam Sunhalter, and we are business coaches. And we're business coaches for a company called Maximum Value Partners, which is a company that we own. And we deal with small business owners, not small, tiny. Most of them are over six foot. No, most of them are over five foot. And... uh, we have we have uh, business owners who basically are involved with owning companies and running them that do about two million in sales and under. And we help those business owners with our experience and our systems that we've developed. And they aren't fancy computer systems, although that is that's involved obviously, but they're systems of flowing business. And it works pretty well, really. We've been doing this for over 20 years together, and we have quite a few success stories that are on the podcast, and you can get some insight into them by going to our podcast. And Adam will give you uh, some directions on how to do that in the, you know, a little later in the show here. But what we do is take our experiences with the small business owners and with our coaching, and we roll those into a a podcast and we had a lot of fun doing it. It's experienced. Adam and I have both owned and, and uh, do own companies. Now we've bought, sold, valued, audited, uh, just about anything you can think of with a small company in any industry. That says quite a bit. And chances are you have lingering questions on how to do stuff or you're talking to people who aren't qualified and you get, deeper into a state of confusion and angst and anxiety and no sleep. And uh, honestly, a visit with us and it's, it, it could work miracles for you. But anyway, what we do is, is take a situation that's going on with one of our coaching clients and we incorporate it into a podcast. And one we're going to use today is how do I figure out what business I want to buy? Sounds easy enough, doesn't it? Until you get into it, and then you start to analyze it. You have a business going right now. If you have good marketing research done, sound you know which which is your base for for running your company, and you're able to take situations that come up and plug it into a profit plan. What's that, right? Um, you know, you can get out any situation. It'll it'll tell you factually what you have to do. And we, we have used that very successfully over 20 years. And uh, we, we call it the seven, seven steps to um, uh, profitability. And if you, seven, seven keys to success. Sound like Joe Biden. Uh, <laughs> but uh what we do with that is take you through that that system, and it's amazing how, how much you will learn and how much fun we can have with it. So anyway, that's what we're after today. How do you do that? How do you figure out which company you're going to buy? What do you want to buy? Is it an offshoot and an extension of your current products and services, or is it something totally different? And it depends on your age, depends on your Experience depends on the money you have or don't have. Uh, those those basic things, and you can. There's so many small businesses that are for sale, and the deals can be done. But the people on both sides of the aisle don't have a lot of experience, so the deals get kind of complicated, or they don't have to be. But anyway, that's our that's going to be our uh, our topic today. So, what do you think, Adam? Is that a good topic? Love it, Jack. It's uh, a topic that's very near and dear to our hearts, something that we, that we know well. As we've done some analysis in our last 20 years together coaching small businesses, we feel that this is one of the areas that we really specialize and shine in. 
And, uh, you know, for those of you who are new to us, uh, just to give you a sense, um, you know, I started my career on Wall Street, you know, a fancy place in New York. And uh, I've worked on deals that were multi-billion dollar deals, but also deals that were several million dollar deals. But worked on a lot, a lot of different deals part of my time there. And it gave me some good insight to how transactions work. And it's it's very different in the small business world. In the last 20 years, uh, Jack and I have coached a lot of clients through some, some tremendous success. And it's often included helping folks with buying and selling companies. Okay. And personally, we both, as Jack mentioned, bought and sold companies. Jack's personally bought, fixed up, and sold five companies. And we've alluded to this a little bit on the show recently, but um, my wife and I recently purchased a franchise about six months ago. And part of what we want to kind of cover today is talking about not only our personal experiences of figuring out what business you want to buy, but also a lot of our clients' experiences with this. Now, as Jack is alluding to, whether you're considering getting into the business for the first time as you're listening to this podcast, or if you currently already own a business, in either case, the idea of buying a company to grow your current business or to, or to buy a company to get into business for yourself for the first time are great ways to go. And Jack, we are very big fans of buying versus starting a company. Yeah, that, that, all the difference in the world. I think it might be helpful to kind of start there with folks just to help them understand when we talk about this whole idea of buying a company. And it's much less risky when you go buy a company because you've got some history there. You've got some people there. You know, the people could be customers. You, got, you may have employees there. But you have some history and some proof that whatever the product or service that business is, there's been some market demand for it. Meaning people have actually paid dollars for that product or service, which is very different from a startup, which is an idea in your mind that you must take into reality and start to deliver that product or service, then also get paid for that product or service. It's a much different way to kind of approach stuff. And so as we're kind of finishing up, you know, this is our last show for the year. It's a, it's the end of December here. And so Chance are you may you, you hopefully been going through some planning for the next year. It's often the case. And if you haven't had a chance, that usually the, the last few days of the year, Jack, for small businesses as you're kind of finishing up the year that was and you know, doing some of that tax planning and maybe buying some stuff to kind of you know get some expenses in, but you're also looking ahead to the next year. And so the question becomes, what are you looking to do next year? And if you're looking to grow next year, well, one of the areas that Jack and I have found that is often overlooked for small businesses is to look at buying a company as a way to grow your business. And I think as you were talking about, Jack, it could be in, in a couple of directions. One, it could be a business that's a competitor or similar to yours where you're just, you know, you're bringing them on board. You're, so you're increasing what you do with your base product or service, or it could be you're getting to something new, something different, a different way of kind of, you know, maybe adding to your product or service. Maybe it's a different, it's a different service being added to your current customer base. Maybe it's getting into a new customer base. But if you haven't thought about that, part of what we want to do is we want to start there and say, look, this is an area that maybe you should be thinking about. So you're mentioning market research before, Jack, and that's usually a term that people, especially in the small business world, their eyes tend to glaze over. So They cringe, yeah. They, they, yeah, you're right. Well, give them a little sense of what you're talking about when you say market research, because the, the, the market research sounds like one of those kind of fancy pants terms, Jack. But, you know, what kind of market research should somebody be doing, especially as it relates to this topic we're talking about today in terms of figuring out what business that, that you want to buy? Well, they're, they're going to look at their current sales. That's why, Adam, that's a big point. A uh, startup versus a company that's been around for a while. Night and day differences. The success of a startup compared to that is is quite low, you know, succeeding. But uh, the market research, you know, you, you have customers that you've been doing business with for a few years. And what they buy becomes the basis for your market research. You want to find other companies, other opportunities that would sell these products or people who are out selling them or some close versions of it. And that's the best way to start. Uh, do simple things. You don't have to be, be involved with a, a fancy firm that's going to be charging you a lot of money. You've got so much power in, in the information that you already have form a marketing plan who's buying your stuff what are they paying for it why are they buying your stuff and it it basically is is 
an analysis that's easily done and gives you a wealth of information to sort of uh, set the direction of the company. So it's one of those things where you start to kind of bring a lot of things together as you're talking about, Jack. You're looking at your customers, you're looking at your products and seeing what's kind of going on and seeing trends out there and starting to connect some dots of some some folks that you know. So you said at the outset that the, the answer to that question of how do I figure out what company I want to buy, you said it seems like it's pretty simple. So let's take everybody back a few decades, Jack, to you, you, you'd left the corporate world to do something. You weren't quite sure what, what you were going to do, but you just kind of felt that there was something else out there for you, right? I think that's one of those feelings that many, many people probably have kind of gnawing at them. And so um, so if that's something that's gnawing at you, you know, let's talk to those folks who maybe haven't taken that leap yet, Jack, but they're, but they're listening to this podcast. And you were in that spot. And unlike most people who will maybe kind of moonlight or do things on the side, what did you decide to do? By by a company that was being foreclosed on. Well, by be, the but, but before that, you just left. You left. You, you oh, just yeah. left your job and you quit. Right. That's right. So, so you did exactly what people would probably suggest people don't do, right? Which is they just you know it's it's, hey, it's always it's always easier to get another job when you have a job. It's like it's always easier to find another you know girlfriend when you have a girlfriend kind of thing, you know. But you just said you know I don't want to be in this big corporation anymore. So you just so you so you quit without quite sure what you're going to do, but it was as you look back at it now, that was part of your the beginning of your search process to figure out. You didn't know it at that point, right? But you were trying to figure out what company you were going to buy. So tell people a little bit about that process as, as you kind of left and w- what those first couple of years looked like, and then you know, to your point, how you came to your first your first company to buy. I think people will find this interesting, Jack. Well. I I was a vice president with a public company and they wanted me to move to Canada as president of, you know, not the old corporation, but the subsidiary, a Canadian subsidiary and run it as president. And I, I was in a position that I could pick and choose what I wanted to do. I was much younger than I am now. And, uh, uh, it was a, just a, a great launching point to do something different. The company I was with, good company. The people I was working with, good people. Compensation, very good. Uh, but I didn't want to stay and do the big corporate thing, the suits and ties, the regimentation, the, 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 the competition, which is different. I don't mind competition at all, but I didn't, I didn't care for the competition that we had. It's probably a minor negative, minor negative. Okay. Um, but so I decided to leave that world, leave the corporate world. Now, anyone I talked to, you know, advised me against doing that. Why would I ever do that with such a position? I don't know. And I did it. And even then people asked me, well, what was I thinking? What? I, I don't know. Were they calling yeah, you crazy? Were they were they thinking you were, you know, you were more crazy? You're certainly kind of weird. Crazy. So here, so here yeah. you are, like this time of year during the holidays, you're seeing friends and family, <laughs> and they're hey, what's going on, Jack? And you're like, hey, I just quit my job a couple months ago, right? What? So were people yeah. kind of dismissing exactly. you, or, or, or did you sense some energy and curiosity, like, hey, this guy's got some balls over here. Yeah, you know, let's go and talk and see what see what see what he's thinking, because maybe I can live vicariously through him. You know, did you have some of those things? Maybe too. If you can think it back on that. I didn't have any, as I think back and look at this, I didn't have too many people who agreed with it. Okay. It was more crazy. Okay. All right. Even telling them why, I I don't know. I I, honestly say I don't know is the right answer. It's okay. Yeah. You had a feeling. Yeah. Just it was a feeling. And yeah. But you weren't really worried about it. Right. They were worried for you on your behalf. You're kind of like, yeah, you're just kind of going ahead. Right. (laughs) And more people should be thinking that, that if they've, you know, progressed up the ladder and almost any, any height on that ladder, they should uh, have enough confidence in themselves that they aren't going to be sleeping under a bridge. They, they basically should uh, do better than they think, but they got to get educated on this other side of the other side of the aisle. So I did. I started looking. I started putting, starting with the conventional advice is work up a one-page sheet of what you want. (laughs) (laughs) When you don't know what you want, put it it down there. Yeah, do it that way. Right. Okay. So that proved that that proved after about a year to be totally useless. You know. (laughs) 
take up a lot of time trying to find companies that balance something that on that, that, that sheet. And so along the way, I started looking in the business opportunity section of the paper. And I'm seeing all these little companies for sale. And, you know, it could be beer and wine places, and it could be a little manufacturer or something, so, little machine shops. And So, so, so a quick pause on that, because, you know, for, for, for our audience who's who's under 40, <clears> Jack, <throat> they, they probably have no clue what you're talking about. You said business opportunity section. So let me maybe kind of bridge the gap there. So it's, you know, before you had things like Craigslist, you had these kind of classified ads in the in the paper before you had, you know, the classified ads were, were there too for dating, right? So before you had all these dating apps, you had Craigslist, all these things that were online before the internet, you had the newspaper. And the newspaper was where all the stuff kind of went through. So you had the classified sections where they have, you know, again, it could be dating stuff. It could be, you know, ads for cars, but there also, there were things in there that was the business opportunity section. And it's gone from being several pages to maybe a few entries today because there's, there's, still, there's, still, there's still a few things out there, but that's, that's where you would go to find these things. But again, that wasn't necessarily probably common knowledge either because it was it was hidden within those classified pages, right, Jack? So you almost, you know, I remember the first time- that, find, yeah, yeah, I remember the first time 20 years ago when you told me about that, I'm like, what the heck are you talking about, right? And you said, go to the Sunday paper and see if you can find it. And, and it took me a couple of weeks. I, I couldn't, you know, like, you started laughing, like, keep looking. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like, it was like that secret, like, I kind of know where it is. So, it's a secret handshake. Right? Right. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, it was going to those, those bars in New York where they, where they don't have any, you know, uh, signage outside. It's like, you had to kind of know where to go down this step over here, do this. It's the same kind of thing where you started to kind of learn because you'd been in that corporate world. And so maybe it was a good experience where you say, they, things here in the small business world are a little bit, a little bit different. So you discovered this business, business opportunity section. So they had things listed there. So what kind of things did you did you see listed there? What was your initial was like, hey, here's all those things. Come back to your one pager. All the, all those, you know, those things I put in the one pager. Here they here they are. Or what was happening between, you know, bring people to, to, to that reality of what you were kind of seeing and discovering as part of that part of that process. Well, you had bars and and uh uh you know, little diners and you you had machine shops, you had manufacturers of different types, almost anything you could imagine that was never really on your mind, in your mind. You'd be driving by opportunities all the time and you wouldn't even recognize them. It, it, you, you get into such a, a mindset that the, your world is narrowed very, very much versus small businesses. <laughs> They're virtually everything that you, know, you use on your free time and even not on your free time, but... It was just a, a world that opened up that I never knew existed. I never knew, but I knew I could participate in it. Okay. So I, I started working up different routines to look at businesses and talk to business owners. And I absolutely loved it. I loved it. I started with a, a, a friend of mine who I went to business school with and we we basically started selling natural gas to little companies. And that introduced me first face-to-face -face with small business owners. And, and I love these guys. I mean, everything very, I could solve, I could very solve different most of from, problems. I'll say very different from those corporate suit and tie guys you were just talking about that you'd spent the first 15, 18 years of your career with, right? The, you know, these folks were not polished, you know, just speaking their minds. A lot of emotion, right? A whole it's, different, whole different crowd. A whole different attitude, you know. Not liking the suits and ties either. It made us kindred spirits. So we, uh, <laughs> it was a good time. I could come in and and uh, assess in a relatively fast amount of time, uh, you know, the troubles that they're having and what it would take to get out of it. With you know my business experience. Right. And all of a sudden, I started to get business without even trying. You know, there were so many. The, the city was so populated with these kind of opportunities. And and uh, so I bought one. I, I eventually bought one. That's a story in and of itself. But it was being foreclosed on by the IRS. And it, uh, the company was called Commercial Forgings. Now, now how, how many how many things did you look at? Because again, this is a couple of year process. You know, from when you left the corporate world, you know, you just kind of described that first year, kind of I don't want to say putzing around, but you know, you're getting that one page pulled together. You're, you're probably in the wrong pool, and all of a sudden, 
you and your friends start up this company to, to broker natural gas, and all of a sudden you're now put face to face with small business owners you didn't know existed before, and right. you're getting more <clears> excited <throat> about it. And you know, as you're doing that, you're starting to do some consulting stuff, but that wasn't quite enough. And if I recall, you had some folks kind of busting your butt about this. It kind of, the, the idea of of buying a company may not have been on your your radar, but you were getting you were getting I don't want to say you're getting shamed, but you're you're, you're butt busted by some of these other business owners because they 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 saw you as that kind of fancy pants. Well, that was the that right? was the, the jocular background of busting when you say busting ass, you know, you, you you look for an opening, make a make a mistake, do something, and they're all over you, you know, kiddingly right. kiddingly <laughs> bugging you. So yeah, it, it transferred from Jesus, I could, you know, I can solve this problem so quick. Why don't I buy one? Right. I, I, that, that thought process. So again, tried brokers a little bit, tried different people, met a whole lot of people I didn't even know existed in this world. Right. And uh, here was, I, I came across this one company that was being foreclosed on. That's a commercial forging or uh, uh, Cleveland Armature. Cleveland Armature, right, yeah. And uh, it was being foreclosed on by the IRS, literally, locking the door. I mean, they, they, they had a date set to uh, lock it up and auction it off. And I was able to intervene and end up uh, dealing with the IRS agent who was in charge of disposing of this property and ended up buying it for a relatively small amount of money because, you know, it would save the IRS money. In fact, that's even what he said at the negotiation. So here are this little company with seven employees. And, and, and by the way, I'll put a link in the show notes, Jack, because you did share this story a couple of years ago about Cleveland Armature. So I'll, for those of you who are interested in hearing, you know, look to the show notes. I'll, I'll include a link in that in the show notes that goes back to that show. You can listen to Jack tell more about how he found the company, but also the negotiations and everything else that happened with that, right? But that wasn't the first company you looked at by far. Oh, my God, no. I think there's over 100 companies you've kind of gone in and talked to. And again, each week you're in there talking to companies, right? So you've you right. seen a lot of things. To start to recognize this as being an opportunity. That's that's right. Okay. And so here it is. You know, I, I go there for doing a do, little due diligence before I made an offer and said, "Hey, I could do this thing." And each time I was there, the UPS guy would uh, come in and drop off packages and pick them up. They were they were producing product, but the place was so messy and so dirty that uh, you know nobody would really consider it. When you're coming from the corporate pedestals, you basically are looking for nice, clean, modern offices with uh, beautiful receptionists. And and uh, that, that's not how it works at all, unless you got a pile of cash and don't know what to do with it. <laughs> you, you basically try and, and I'm not, I'm not going to buy a company and, and be at any large risk. I, I kind of assess what I, what I was looking at. And uh, it, it it became so with with this one, UPS guy they they were doing business and the IRS couldn't recognize it. anyone who who this broker took through wouldn't recognize it and they were just going to write it off and dissolve it. So I was able to buy it. And that, as Adam said, is a story in and of itself and a fun one. It was actually and, I'm, I'm looking right now as we're talking, Jack. It was four years ago. It was December 20th of 2018. So I'll include a link to that show. So the title of the show is "How Did Jack Buy His First Company?" So we'll, we'll, we'll go back to that one. So God, I remember so, that. Better audit it. <laughs> well, it's back when we were still live in the studio. It was back. It was back to pre-COVID times, right? Jeez, you're right. Yeah, right. it's a good time. Right. <laughs> go. Well, sorry. anyway, so so I bought that and got it fixed up. What does that mean? Well, I, I, my due diligence and the company is so small. I don't even, I don't even know what, what the sales works. So they didn't have any records, any current records anyway. And uh, was able to, to hire a salesman, get the place cleaned up and repainted. And uh, I, had, I had found, and this has always happened, every troubled company I bought, uh, there's always little diamonds in the rough. And uh, they had accounts receivable that I was able to rebuild. And, you know, they totaled some pretty good dollars and was able to collect those and get, get everything moving rather quickly. I heard a good sales guy. And uh, within two years, I sold the company to a competitor and did very well with this little company. But I went back to my buddies uh, who were busting my ass to get a company and said, hey, 
<laughs> this is no big deal. The company money comes up through the through the uh, desks, you know. With the stuff what are you guys? Yeah, what are you guys whining about? What's the problem here? This is pretty easy, right? Okay. We got identifiable markets. Uh, very easy to get information. I got information. Uh, that's with another company, but you, you can get information on especially commodity-based products uh, like Mad. I mean, there's so much information out there; it's unbelievable. That's true of any industry, though. Right. But uh, yes, that was that was the first, and that the source I never would have guessed it in a million years was with uh, troubled loans with banks, and you know a bank will finance your tractor or your building or your some equipment buys or some contracts for for your products <clears throat> and all of a sudden things don't go the way you hoped and you have to sell it and or you know do something to to get your bank debt under control and often you can't do that <clears throat> so they don't like to take your house if they can help it and they try to work out a problem or work out the problems with your loan and it's called the workout department. I'll yeah. never find it called that. But they have they have quite a few trouble loans, especially the bigger banks. And they will work with you if you're a credible guy and have the ability to buy these things. Well, I bought this for almost nothing. So it didn't take a lot of money. <clears throat> and uh, you know, I was able to to turn it around. And they had other loans. They were impressed, and they started introducing me to other loans. And so I was able to buy other companies in this circle. There's liabilities associated with it now, and it might be more complex. I haven't done it in quite a few years. But uh, it was a source of five companies. And all of them were in trouble. All of them had bank issues. And they basically were... were uh, Able to be bought right. That's what we like to say when we're counseling our, our buyers. Right. Don't get enamored with it, you know? Well, and we'll get into some of those lessons too, mm -hmm. but I want people to give a little backstory. You know, we, when we when we say in, in, in five seconds that you've, you've personally bought, fixed up, and sold five companies, it's like, what the heck does that really mean? How does that happen? And how, how do I get there? People, there's a lot of those how questions, right? Which is what we specialize in helping to answer, Jack, right? So you're, you know, so I want people to get a sense of your story a little bit in terms of what you went through. Wasn't that you just woke up one day and this is what you decided and it just happened, you know, two days later. It was a process. It was a discovery process for you. And, and part of what happened is you take each of those steps into it, either it starts to feel good or doesn't feel good for you. Right. So we've we've had clients over the years or folks who've thought about this and it hasn't quite worked out for them. They spent a year kind of turning over rocks, looking at different stuff, and they and they come to the realization that it maybe just isn't for them. And that's okay. You know, and, and for those kind of folks, you know, it's better. At least they've had a chance to kind of explore it, right? So the, the, the idea here is part, part we're trying to kind of tap into here is, well, how do you figure out and how does that look? Because it, it, it looks different for, for everybody. You know, we had a client who <clears throat> was a client for several years, but the way he got his first business was he was working in, in, in an industry that he knew very well. And he was working for probably the fourth or fifth person he'd worked for. And in his mind, they were all a bunch of bozos. You know, they, they weren't doing things the right way. And so he finally, he finally was like, hey, Get out of here. Now, I'll buy the company from you. So I need, and because he, he could see that it was being mismanaged and, and he could see all kinds of opportunities for growth. And so often the case, it might just be if you're working for a small business, it might be the one you're working for, Jack. You know, again, just to, to look around where, again, opportunities are right there in front of your face. Right. And we know this is a lot. If you look at just some, just some bigger, <laughs> bigger trends in the world, you know, as we continue to age here. There are a lot of those baby boomers who are now in their 70s who don't have anybody to take over their company. And they're still working the company. They're coming in every day. That's what they know how to do. And so where's that company going to go? Great little companies that, you know, to your point, Jack, maybe they're doing a million, two million in sales, something like that, okay? But they're great little companies. Well, what's going to happen to those? Well, if you're one of the people working for those companies, maybe you should be the person to, to buy them out. You don't know. It's a company you certainly know a lot about because you, you know, you've been there. Um, so that's one, one area to kind of maybe look and think about. Cause again, we, we've seen that happen a number of times with clients of ours where it's, again, it's a place you're working for. And sometimes it's family, but a lot of times it's not, you know? And so that could be the, the area where you first kind of go or just 
it can be very different. You know, as I was mentioning earlier, you know, my wife and I bought a company about six months ago. And this just kind of happened because of an email that came across. You know, my wife is going through a transition in her career. And and as you might imagine, I've encouraged her to, to do more entrepreneurial things versus getting jobs. And so what does that look like? All right. And so <clears throat> she gave me some guidance of what she was looking to do. So she's been spending a lot of time at home recently, you know, with COVID hit and everything else kind of going on. And she's really kind of enjoying that. And you've probably heard in the show here, you've heard at least one of my pugs barking at different times. We've got a couple of pugs here that are a lot of fun to hang out with and entertaining, but also provide great therapy. So for her, she wanted to, instead of what she'd been doing for 20 years, going to the hospital every day, want to do something a little different. And so just broad spectrum, she wanted to be around me a little bit more. And if she could do things out of the house, you know, where she could hang out with the pugs that, you know, that would be kind of fun for her, Right. So very broad guidance. It wasn't like, here's a, come back to your one pager, Jack. It wasn't a one pager of here. It was just, eh, here's some things I'm thinking about. Right. Well, a few months later, I got an email, you know, you know, like many of us were on email lists for things over the years. And so we have a couple of kids who are now teenagers and, but years ago they were involved in a program at their school. And so I get this email and it says, Hey, by the way, there's a franchise available in your area. Huh? So if I hadn't been thinking about what Shannon was thinking about this email, Jack would have just gone right. By me, right? Yeah, that's right. It, 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 but it, you know, it wouldn't have registered. <laughs> it wouldn't have kind of hit home. So that's an interesting, right? And it's, it's a business that it was, it's related to, to helping kids draw. You know, so it's art related. And for those who, who know me and, and, and many of our friends and family said, well, you guys don't know how to draw, right? I mean, that was, that was, that was their first response. Come back to the product or service expertise. And something we haven't, we haven't touched on here, Jack, in terms of the three circles. But, you know, when it comes to the business side, yeah, my expertise wasn't in the product and service, but the other parts of business, the marketing and sales and the administration, the people, the, the numbers, the planning, I'm pretty good at that stuff, Jack. But, you know, the, the, the product side, well, Part of the beauty of a franchise is, it, is they provide that kind of knowledge, right? So, so we were we were on the list because our 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 kids had been customers. You know, we were customers of this business, so we'd experienced the business. Okay, and it turns out the woman who who had owned the franchise for fifteen years had a change in life circumstances, and she had to close it down and couldn't run it anymore. So the business had just been closed a couple months before, so it was dormant for a few months. So I, I sent a note back and I scheduled a call with, with somebody at corporate. And I talked to her for a little bit about what's kind of going on and get a little more sense of the opportunity. I explained to her what's going on with my wife. And she says, hey, can, can we have another call where I can, can talk to Shannon? I said, well, let me see, right? So I hang up and I go talk to Shannon. Hey, remember, you know, young Rembrandts and the kids and doing their thing? So yeah, yeah. But I said, um, the franchise is available. How do you know that? I said, well, I had a phone call. You, you did what? What, what, you know, she's starting to kind of freak. I said, well, I said, well she, she, she wants to talk to you. What do you mean she wants to talk to you? I'm not, I'm so, well, it's just, just, just a phone call just to kind of talk and, you know, let's kind of see, right? So as you might imagine what happened, we had that first, we had that first phone call, Jack, and we get done with the first phone call and Shannon's like, well, hey, that, that wasn't too bad. Maybe let's take the next step. It's, it's another phone call. And that led to another phone call, another phone call. Next thing you know, a couple months later, we're in the, we're, we're just outside of Chicago in the corporate offices and we're going through our discovery day, you know, and a few weeks later, we wound up buying the business. It just happened. It was something that we were kind of aware of, we're thinking about and it just kind of, honestly, it just kind of happened. But again, it, it, it was there. It, it was just part of the normal, you know, cycle of stuff. Now she was considering a lot of other things at that point too, about starting things up. She has a lot of expertise and knowledge, and she had a lot of examples of friends and, and, and colleagues of hers who had done some things. But coming back to the idea of buying something that already exists, Jack, versus starting from scratch. Night and day. Night and day, you know? <clears throat> and so, yeah, we closed on that late summer, midsummer, got it relaunched. Um, got it relaunched in the fall, and we're moving along with, with wintertime and everything else. So it's one of a number of things that I'm involved in, but it's, you know, it's her getting involved in this stuff as well. And it's been fun to watch her discover that process. Not only the buying of it, but just now as she's shifting out and the things you were doing, you know, 30 plus years ago of having to kind of decorporatize yourself, Jack, she's in the process of doing that now. Well, so, there, there, are, there are two key words that <clears throat> should, should drive the whole thinking about how do I decide how to buy a business? 
First word is engage. You have to engage. There are many, many places and many ways that you can can uh, uh, use to find companies, find opportunities for yourself. First of all, it's a mindset, but you know the mindset has to be thinking differently about walking by things and people and situations because there's so many of them. It's it's overwhelming when you think like that. But engaging, engage people. You don't know where they're going to lead you. And the other word is action. Take action. <clears throat> don't get in. Don't pull out all those spreadsheets and, and start to analyze and live in that world. Just do it a little bit. But basically, you're going to live in the world of, of action. And you have to take that chance. You got to have confidence in yourself. So engage in action. Engage will will put you in front of people and opportunities that you you didn't even know existed. That's what that's what I found in areas that you never thought to think or think of, of involving yourself. Good point, Jack. I mean, because it was, and it's helpful, I think, for the audience to understand kind of where you're at when you're going through this process. You didn't have the you didn't have the choice of <clears throat> you know sitting in your pajamas searching the web for stuff because it didn't exist back then, right? You That's know, right. You had to you had to get out of your house. You had to go you had to go talk to people. So, you know, going to get that newspaper and then going through and actually placing phone calls to people, right? Calling the whether it be the brokers or calling owners and and getting over the fear and the pain like, okay, what do I what do I say when they answer the phone, right? Hey, this is Jack and I'm interested in learning about more about your, you know, what do you do, right? So, but going through all that stuff, to your point, you, you start to you find your rhythm. You you find what works for you. You start to engage and and you talk to real people and you see some real stuff versus just reading about it, reading books about it or searching on the web somewhere. Or, or, yeah, but it's because, because you learn, you learn a lot by that engagement and you learn a lot about yourself. First of all, in terms of, you know, part of what you're trying to figure out, you know, kind of getting into this a little bit, you know, how do you figure out what's kind of going on? But one of the things you want to figure out is well, what do you bring to the table? What do you bring to the table? that's different. So, that's one of the reasons why we're, we're big fans of buying versus starting from scratch because you have the benefit of the history of the company that you're buying, Jack, right? So depending on how good the records are, as you were mentioning about Cleveland Armature, there really weren't much records there. So you were going based on the UPS driver. As crazy as that might sound to people, well, wait, that, that's an educated, again, Jack saw that because of what Jack knew about business. He started to recognize, wait a minute, there's people coming and going here. There's business being done. There's orders coming and going. And, you know, going through and, you know, if you, if you go listen to his story from, from December of 2018 about the details here, there's another area that he found where he's able to find $50,000 in old accounts receivable. Well, it was because it was a system that he was aware of, given his experience. So it, part of this process, Jack was discovering things he was bringing to the table. I mean, he didn't recognize or maybe he thought, well, everybody kind of knows this stuff or this is kind of, well, no, it was, it was unique to your experience and your knowledge so that you start to recognize and, and spot those opportunities. So, so what do you bring to the table? What do you bring to the table that's going to help avoid if there were some things that went wrong? So, you know, Jack, you're mentioning you, you were involved with a lot of turnaround situations. So, so here you are coming in, totally unemotional. You're looking at what, what happened. You could see where some of the missteps took place. And not only that, you can see, well, how do we get out of these? You know, how do we correct course here, right? So you can learn from what happened in the past and be able to kind of see what you, what you could do differently. So if you're looking at things, as we're mentioning that that one client of ours who, who was working for somebody, so that, you know, and he could see it. And within a couple of years, he had quadrupled the business, Jack, right? Because it was always there. It was just that he, the, the, the other owner wasn't doing it. So again, but he could see stuff that he could bring to the table. So usually there's got to be something that you're bringing to the table that's going to help improve, make the business better, make it run. But you see things that you're bringing to the table. That's a, a big part of that discovery when you're engaging, Jack. I think you start to kind of learn that. You know, you probably didn't recognize it. You know, the, the right. auditing skills yeah. you had, the, the, the ability to kind of come in and quickly assess what's going on. The, the fact that you'd been trained for years as an auditor to look for all the all the nonsense going on and, you know, work at things, you know. So you, you came up with that mindset. Well, that, most people in the world don't have that mindset, Jack, you know, or, or the idea of going <clears> to, <throat> to talk to the IRS. How intimidating would that be for, for, for most people, right? I mean, most people don't, don't want to, well, here, here you are, you just kind of walk in, like, just kind of go through stuff. So that came through that engagement process of kind of learning and seeing kind of what do you, 
What do you bring to the table? It's an important thing to kind of figure out for, for folks because often you don't know. You may have an idea what you think you're bringing to the table, but until you get involved, small businesses is very, be very messy. It'd be very, very messy, right? There's not the, <clears throat> if you're part of the corporate world, you kind of know there's a certain system or process people will kind of use or a way things that, that are approached. And small business, it's usually very different with each <clears throat> one that you get involved in. So you got to be, become pretty clear in terms of what you're bringing to the table. We're going to come back to when, when we bought our, our, our Young Rembrandt's franchise, Jack, we knew that we weren't bringing expertise in terms of how to draw. Now, I've learned a lot about that in the last five months, right? And I'm teaching classes now as well in terms of, but that's a learned skill. But it was the business side of stuff and being able to understand and, and, and knowing that, you know, the market opportunity. So our marketing plan, Jack, is very simple. You know, the, the prior owner had been in about 60 different schools over 15 years. And we were able to cobble together a list from what they had in the past, about 120 contacts. And so on August 8th of this, of this year, we sent out an email, one email, Jack, to let folks know that, hey, Young Rembrandt is back in the Cleveland area. Let them know that we bought the business and we're, and we're getting it relaunched. And we had over a dozen schools reach out to us and reply, oh, we're so glad you're back, right? It was plenty. We had another email we sent out the week before to 60 prior teachers to see who'd be interested. Hey, by the way, we're back. That's how we got things launched. Very simple, Jack. But knowing what I know from not only my 20 years of working with you and coaching small businesses, but my prior years of, of, of working in Wall Street as well, of seeing... <clears throat> thousands of companies jack of getting right to the essence of here's what we need to do we need to find teachers to teach our classes and we need to be able to find schools and that's that was my prime focus there's a bunch of other stuff we had to learn and deal, but that's that's neither here nor there. if we had those things down i knew we i knew we'd be okay we got money coming in we got people that, that can provide the service i know corporates providing the the drawing knowledge that's what they've been doing for, for over 30 years that's great so i was very aware of what I brought to the table. And it's been reinforced. Here's kind of what my, my role is. And I can jump into different things as, as all small business owners do. You jump into different parts of your business, learn things, and you deal with bureaucracy and everything. That's okay. But the main part of the business, I kind of knew what I brought to the table and, and focusing on that. So what do, you, what do you bring to the table? If you're buying a company, what are you going to bring to the table? And maybe you don't know. <clears throat> so if you're doing what Jack tells you to do, which is you go out and engage, start talking to people, you sort of figure out, well, hey, maybe I have some skills or knowledge. Or maybe I don't. Maybe, hey, you know what? Maybe if I'm part of a corporation, maybe that's where I should be for the rest of my career. It's a good, safe place for me. You know, I'm not cut out to be an entrepreneur or to own my own thing. Or maybe like our one client mentioned, he said, I can realize these guys are bozos. Get out of the way. I can do it better. Okay, maybe that's you. But we don't know until we start to engage a little bit that way. So figuring out what you bring to the table, I think is a very, very big thing. Um. You we love this stuff. We could talk about it all the time. We we love our coaching clients that we we have trying to buy a business, and and it's fun. I mean, it's fun stuff. It opens up a world that's that's so vast that you just you're amazed yourself. Well, one of the key points I think you mentioned. I want to I want to make sure we touch on a little bit more. Jack is buying it right. I think you I think you, you kind of talked about that a little bit, right? And mm -hmm. so what does that so what does that mean, right? And so. Because we've seen it. I mean, nothing can make a, make a deal go south faster than buying it wrong. And this, you know, I think we share the stories a few times here on the, on the air, but it's one of the first companies you and I came into contact with when we first got together 20 years ago, Jack. And it was a, a, a relatively young guy in his 40s who had bought a company. It was a box making company. And he bought it wrong. He bought it wrong, right? You know, and it was a nice company. It was steady each year, you know, it was, it was a steady business. It was doing a couple million in sales. It was, it was thrown off a couple hundred thousand in, in, in cash flow, very, very steady. And this guy, I come back to what he thought that he could bring to the table. He was a, he was a super sales guy, super sales guy. He also happened to happen to be a minority. And he felt that there were between his sales skills and his minority status, that he had some great opportunities to take this business and to grow it tremendously, Jack. And he, and he was probably right with that. The problem was, he bought it wrong. He paid a very good price for it. All right. He paid a multiple, I think three or four times cash flow for it. But what happened was <clears throat> he didn't do some good diligence. And he didn't realize that their biggest customer was building a facility to build boxes right next to their main facility. And 
almost day one, he lost a third of his business. A third of his business got cut off right at the, you know right to start with. And that was a big chunk of his profitability too, because of the way the, 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 the that big customer had a lot of scrap, and so enabled him to do a bunch of other business that they couldn't do if they had to actually buy the stuff, right? So it wound up being within the first six months, about half the business went away. Now he was also he had a, a deal where he structured it that he paid the the prior owner to buy the company, but also paid him to to, to come on board or stay on board for a year as a consultant. The problem was he paid that one-year consulting fee at closing. So the prior owner showed up on day one after the deal and then never showed up again. So our super sales guy now all of a sudden is in a lawsuit to chase down the prior owner, scrambling because he's losing a big customer plus a lot of other customers. And we'll probably put the final nail in his coffin, Jack, is he had an advisor who was from an Ivy League school who had no clue about small business. And unfortunately, this poor fellow also had some health issues with a spouse that came up. And within 18 months of buying it, the company went up for auction to be sold off in bits and pieces. <clears throat> it was a disaster. Which all could have been avoided, Jack, if he had bought it right. Right. That is right. absolutely right. Yeah, I remember him very well. <laughs> So if you're buying it to where everything has to go perfectly in the business, right? You're putting together your forecast and your projections and here's how things are going to go. And here's how I get, okay. Well, we know Jack, things never go as, you know, as planned. And usually there's a bunch of surprises that, that, that start to happen. So if you're at that tight where it's got to go exactly right, chance are you're buying it wrong. So that's a big, big deal. You know, you don't want to be guaranteeing things. You don't want to be putting out a lot of cash not not in the small business world especially not at the early stages. But if you have, if you take one on and you you knock it out of the park, you're going to be you're going to be hooked. Right? Well, on that topic one of the things we often will tell people too is well don't don't go all in on your first deal. All right, we're you know don't don't tap all your financial resources, borrow money from family, like put it all it's like putting it all in black at the casino, right? Don't don't go all in on your first on your first deal. Because you're going to learn a lot in your first deal, all right? And so if you're putting so much pressure on yourself, this has to work out no matter what, that's going to put you behind the, that proverbial eight ball as well, Jack, in terms of making sure that you, that you not only that you buy it right, but again, that you've got some reserves in place if need be for those surprises that will come up. Now, you, you mentioned before, Jack, you've always had positive surprises. There'll be some negative ones as well. And there's, you can't tell which which ones might come first. Maybe the negative ones come first and then the positive ones come. But you, you want to have a little bit of cushion to make sure that you can do what needs to get done because that way you're focused on more longer-term stuff. If you're constantly only focused on what's best for today, you're making those short-term decisions, it's not going to bode well for you and your business long-term. So not going all in is a big deal. And then one of the last things I guess what I want to just kind of point out is some of the best deals are the ones that you don't do. Yep, right. that's had, very true. We've had clients looking at different deals, and and you get to the point where you've got a letter of intent signed, you, you know, and you start to negotiate documents and doing doing more heavy diligence. In fact, we've had clients where they've actually gone in and run the business for the for the seller for a little while, right? I mean, almost kind of like being half pregnant, and things things went south before the deal was consummated. Okay, so um, those kind of things, while they could be painful. They can be a little bit expensive because again, you're gonna you're gonna lose some time and money at those things, but it's not as bad as if you actually consummated the deal. It's like again, it's that going back to that girl you were dating and and you're like, well, you thought maybe we should get married, and, and then you then you're glad you didn't, right? Because it you know, turned it's like it turned for the worse, or you found you found something better, wherever it might be. But you realize, hey, that was one I'm glad I, that I let get away. You're, you'll probably have some of those things as well and, and get very emotional at times. And so um Again, some of the best deals that you do are the ones that you don't do, right? Kind of let them, kind of let them, very true. Let them go. Very let them true. Go, you know. <clears throat> so, yeah, you know, I think to your point, Jack, few few things can be more fun or exciting than buying not only your first business, but we say your first because usually if you buy one, there'll be more down the road for you. It might yeah. be it's only different industries or not, but it, it's a lot of fun. But not everybody's cut out for it, you know. Um, but again. Like I said, you'll be hard pressed to find more exciting things to do in your business. It's a lot of fun to kind of chase these deals down. It's a lot of fun to, you know, if you've been struggling 
day in and day out to add customers, add to add employees, where all of a sudden you're able to overnight grow your business by 30%, 50%, the heck, to double your business because you buy somebody. How cool is that? Right? I mean, you know, how, how cool is that? So if you can appreciate the struggle you've been going through <clears> for the last several years, several decades to kind of grow, where all of a sudden you get that kind of growth overnight. And that's something that might be of interest to you. Maybe we should talk. And again, this is episode three. I didn't even tell you. Episode 347, Jack. We've been Jeez. doing this for almost seven years now. We've had this show. We've been sharing a lot of, of good advice and guidance. And if you like what you heard today, like I said, we'll, we'll put a, ref, uh, a a link in the in the podcast or a January. I'm sorry, January, December 20th show, 2018, um, where Jack talked about his story with Cleveland Armature in, in much more detail. And you'll find it very entertaining and very inspiring. And maybe it'll spark you to kind of Take a look for your first deal as you head into a new year, 2023. Will that be the first deal for you? We'd love to hear about it. We would love to hear about it. Yes, that's right. <clears throat> so, so that's our show for today to kind of talk about how do I figure out if you know what business I want to buy. And if you like, say, so like what you heard, you can get all of our shows at our website, DirtySecretsOfSmallBusiness.com. If you go to that website, you'll see there's an episodes button you can click on, and there's a search bar. You can type in whatever kind of comments, questions. The reason I was able to find Jack's deal or Jack's show so quickly while we're talking here is I went onto the, our site and did, they did just that. I put in Cleveland Armature and back came the show, Jack. So I was able to find it very quickly. So this wow. the search tool works very, very, works very, very well. So you can find whatever topic you're, you're looking for. If you don't find a show that answers the question that you have, shoot us an email at radio at MaximumVP.com or give us a call 330-849-0670. I'd be happy to answer that question for you directly. Or do much like we did today and create a show around that question. Because again, chances are if you've got that question, somebody else does as well. And they'll be happy that you that you asked. If you listen to us on a podcast, you have a favorite podcast player, you, you can go subscribe to our show. So you can go to iHeart or Spotify or, or Apple Podcasts. Search for Dirty Secrets of Small Business. Subscribe to the show. We typically drop a new episode every Thursday. So it'll be dropped right there to your, to your smart device. And you can get all the old shows there as well. So appreciate you listening to the show this week. And we'll talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. <clears throat>